Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 8, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 12. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. For if there is, a, is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what he does not have. <clears throat> Would at this time mark the Song of Invitations, number 364. Again, the Song of Invitations, number 364. The song before the lesson this morning will be number 397. <clears throat> number 397. If you're able to, please be standing during the singing of this song. <clears throat> Thank you. 
Live for Jesus, O oh my brother, his disciple ever be. Render not to any other what alone the Lord should be. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give him all thou hast to give. On the cross the world's Redeemer gave his life that thou mightst live. Live for Jesus, wandering sinner, under Satan serve no more. Of the promised prize a winner thou mayst be when life is o'er. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give him all thou hast to give. On the cross the world's Redeemer gave his life that thou mightst live. Live for Jesus in life's morning, at the noontide I'll be his. And at evening when day is turning, and in heaven endless bliss. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give him all thou hast to give. On the cross was Redeemer gave his life that thou mightst live. Please be seated. Is that your desire is to live for Jesus and his disciple ever be? Is it reflected in the life that we live, the actions that we take, the commitment that we make unto God? Think about verse 5 of the reading this morning. And not only as we hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. They first gave themselves to the Lord. Thinking as we communed around the table of the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf, Thinking that in between, as we prepared to give, wonder if at times a 
word of, words of a song would come to mind. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for saving my soul. Can I give out of that heart of gratitude? There's something about the communion, the singing, the giving, and the Word of God. I know from talking to many of you and going through some trials and tribulations with you, that there are songs that mean a lot to you. Oftentimes it's because of the memories that gather around those songs. Precious memories. How many times have I heard that at a funeral service? And how many times have I seen the loved ones cherish those memories along the way? <clears throat> We're saying, I love the Lord by Tommy Wheeler. That one has special memories for me. One is to have been in the hospital room as Tommy was dying and for the family to be gathered around his bedside and to sing that song. I love the Lord for what he's done for me. How much it meant to the family and again to, to be with the one who wrote that from his heart as a way of expressing his gratitude towards what God has done. These Macedonians had first gave themselves to the Lord I was thinking as well, Matthew 26, down at verse 30, that after the institution of the Lord's Supper, going out to the Garden of Gethsemane, it states that they sang a hymn, and then they went out. I just wonder, as the years unfolded, as those disciples gathered to meet and to worship God, that when they sung that hymn, whatever it was, if it, if it did not bring back some precious memories as well. Christianity is a commitment of the life that one gives to the Lord above. In chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, it is about giving to the Lord of what he has given to us. Giving as we purposed in heart. Giving cheerfully. Giving as we've been blessed. Understanding again as we read the New Testament. The giving is always based upon the heart. It was never based upon a percentage that one would count out to give to God. It's a reminder that all has come from God. 
as he discusses those two in those two chapters, this grace of our giving to God as he has blessed us. To close out that ninth chapter with that thought of thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And how would we describe what we give to the Lord? I want to go back to chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians and I want to hit the first verses of several chapters leading up to what Paul has to say. The reminder for us to, to think about who we are and why is it that we can be who we are and why is it that we can have this privilege of giving to God who gave his all for us. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, and with all the saints who are in all Achaia. An apostle by the will of God to the church of God. As he addressed them then in chapter 2, determined within, this within myself that I would not come again to you in sorrow. Reminding them, do you remember who you are? Do you remember what Christ has done? Why would you allow yourselves to be in a position that one who had loved you, worked with you, labored with you, shared with you, helped you to grow, to come to Christ, would he have to fear or can be concerned about coming in sorrow? Or that he would have to worry about in chapter 3, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, Epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. We have this ministry that we were looking at this morning in the auditorium class. As we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. As we look at our lives and think about what God has done for us, as it, again we take this time to commune around the table and to honestly transport yourself, if you will, go beyond the unleavened bread, go beyond this fruit of the vine. Think about why did my Savior come to earth. And why did he give his life for me? That only answer that we have is because he loved me so. And so as I gather, is that my thought as well? Why am I here this morning? 
Why do I come to worship with brothers and sisters in Christ and those who come to seek God? And why do I gather around this table? And why do I be concerned about this collection? What what other answer can you give? What What other answer would you want to give? than the one because he loved me so. I give because he loved me. I give. Perfectly as he goes on in the chapter 9, I can give cheerfully. There's no begrudging what I give to God. And it's not just what I place in the collection plate. Again, in verse 5 of chapter 8, those Macedonians first gave themselves to God and then to us. They saw such a privilege in giving, such an honor in giving, such a heart of gratitude in giving that they begged Paul not to take that away from them. They wanted to give. They were been of individuals, as he describes in deep poverty, that more than likely would would be in need of being the beneficiary of others who had shared in the work of the Lord. But they did not want to be deprived. They had a characteristic of a heart of those of Israel of old who as they were giving to the building of the tabernacle, Moses would have to tell them, you've given enough, do not bring any more. Only time in recorded history that's been said. You brought enough, don't bring any more. Yet again, it's not the physical. It's not what you place in the plate. It's giving of the heart that God is looking for. It's that understanding that he has given, he has blessed. And all that he's asked as you read through the New Testament, all he's asked is what you have, not what you do not have. Well, if I had a million dollars, this is what I would do. He's not asking that. What are you doing with what you do have? What is your attitude towards what you do have? Where's the understanding of what you do have of where it came from? Do you remind yourself in chapter 5? We know that if our earthly house, this temple, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Do we understand the tent that, that we dwell in, the tabernacle that wasn't permanent? But we have a house that is eternal, that's in heaven. Why do we grapple so much with the tabernacle? 
How are we going to preserve it? How are we going to nourish it? How are we going to use it? That we forget about the house that is eternal in heaven. The spiritual side of this life. It's not just what we do here. It's the heart that we live on the inside. It's the mindset that we've determined as to whose we are. And in light of what he has done, though he was rich, he became poor for our sakes. To to work with that for a little bit. Paul in Philippians 2, verse 5 and following not thinking equality with God a thing to be grasped or to be held on to, but the willingness to empty himself. Though he was rich, he is God. The world is his. It's been created by him. Yet he became poor. We talk about it, we think about it, but it's really hard to, I believe, to fully comprehend the leaving of the glory of heaven to come to this earth in the form, the fashion, and the place that he did. Not in the prime location of the human society, but that lowly birth Why? The willingness to give his all for us. And then for us to consider what do we give in return to him? Leave it brought out in one of our lessons on Wednesday night about the preacher who pledged his whole year's salary and asked about how he could do that. He said, well, I just shovel it out and God shovels it back. And he's got a bigger shovel than I do. Do we honestly believe that? Do we believe that God has the bigger shovel? We think about it and our minds turns to what's in the plate. Does it not? Does our mind turn to the shovel of his blessings? As assembled here this morning. Does our mind consider the shovel of his blessings as we consider the brotherhood? The love, the compassion. The support? Does the shovel of his blessings do we consider eternity with him? All of this that we have in the physical realm, all of this that we place within the collection plate, all of that's only temporary. And all of that's going to be gone. But the lives have been touched as a result of that. We'll go on.
chapter 6. We then, as workers together with him, with God, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. We plead with you. We beg you. Do not receive the grace of God in vain. His grace has been richly poured out on humanity in the world in which he's created and the bountiful blessings that are beyond our comprehension. Not to receive this in vain to no purpose. The reminder to the Corinthians to, to rethink who they were. To rethink that commitment that is being made to God. To rethink what they've determined to do and being encouraged now to, to fulfill and giving what they've planned to give from the heart to God. Chapter 7. Therefore, having these promises that God has given, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh in spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Look at the background that he's setting as he leads up to chapter 8. They were not written in book, chapter, and verses as we have them in the scriptures. That's given for us to make it more convenient for us or easier for us, convenient, to find where particular passages are located. But as he's writing this letter, because I seriously doubt it when you sit down, well, I do it on the computer, except not many write letters longhand any longer or anymore. You don't sit down and say, chapter 1, verse 1. Hello, Mom and Dad, how are you doing? Verse 2. These are letters. But as we look at them and see, as we have them broken down for us, look at some of these thoughts that are being brought out for us. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Moreover then, brethren, chapter 8, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. We want you to know of that grace that God has bestowed. You read First and Second Corinthians, they've got problems. They're struggling to do what's right. They're being encouraged, they're being rebuked, they're being challenged. They're being reminded. Know who you are. And know indeed what has been bestowed upon you. The fact that you're still here is the evidence of the grace of God. The fact that he still cares is the evidence of the grace of God, that he's working with us. That they didn't write him off. Paul did not write him off. But says, come out of where you're at. 
Come back to where you know you ought to be. Remind yourselves of why you're coming back to where you ought to be. It is because of the grace of God. It's the reminder that others have been encouraged by you. So much so that they were willing to give beyond what they were able to give. And that they asked for the privilege of giving. Believing that God's grace is greater. He'll go on to talk about the equality that would be there. You give so that someone else can be the beneficiaries of it. Because you never know that in time that's going to be reversed. And they'll be able to help you in a time that you have need. It's where God has always worked, is it not? He's always been concerned and had compassion on all of his people. And then he encourages all of his people to have that same type of compassion. Yea, we're limited individually, but collectively all. The good that can be done for the glory of God. When we can turn loose, not the purse strings, turn loose of the heart strings. Let go of those. Let the love of Christ freely flow in our thoughts and in our minds. And then that leads to the actions that we engage in and the things that we would do. Paul would remind the Galatians that you reap as you sow. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. Again, it's not the first strings that he's talking about. It's the life. It's the heartstrings. You live a stingy life. It's what you reap. Nobody cares. Nobody knows. Nobody is concerned. But if you open up those heartstrings and you sow bountifully, it's what you reap. A group of God's people who love one another. A brotherhood that loves one another. Who have a desire that in all that it's not my will, but that it's God's will that we are desiring to have done in the life that we live. I gave my life for thee. What have you given to me? A powerful song. Think about it in the life that we live. Reflect again as we've done around the communion table, but reflect again in the life as we sing the song. Jesus giving his life on that cross, that agony, he gave it for you that you might be with him eternally in heaven. What have you given to him? He gave his all. What are you giving? And how is it reflected in the life that you live? As you think about that, as we sing the song, if one is not yet a child of God and understands that they need to repent of sins that separate them from God, 
but they need to confess that Jesus is the Lord, the Savior. Obey him in baptism for the remission or the forgiveness of sins so that they may be raised to walk a new life. To be able to do that. Or that as a child of God, but one who has forgotten the depths of Christ's love. We have to let the things of the world begin to choke out the marvelous love of Christ to be able to come home, to come back to the Father's house. If you have a need, if we could assist you, if we could help you in that need, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.